What's up, everybody? How we doing? Happy Father's Day, dudes. Thank you. We got some new dads happening this year, and that's exciting. It's always fun, challenging, terrifying, and all those emotions that happen. So happy Father's Day. We're glad you're here. And dads, today we honor you. We have a tower of donuts in the foyer. If you didn't see that, those those towers of donuts, please have one. I grabbed one on the way to the office, and um, I could only eat half of it. They're called colossal donuts for a reason. They are huge. So get a donut. Enjoy yourself. Get your sugar high before you eat your food today. And moms, kids, honor your dads. Give them a bear hug today and let them know how much you love and appreciate them. So dads, you're going against the grain. If you're here today and you're a dad, you're going against the grain because you are here. You're different. Everybody say different. Different. You lose checkers. You lose playing ball sometimes. You have to understand this. I know what the video said. And it's okay to lose to your kid sometimes. But you can't lose to your kid every time. Because you don't want your kid to be delusional about how good they are. Sometimes you got to put them in their place. And you got to beat them really good. Not physically, like beat them. But... Beat them at sports, beat them at checkers, beat them at Candyland or something where they will know that they don't win every single time, right? That worked for me until Tristan got taller than me at basketball. And then when he regularly started beating me, then I would say, I'm letting you win so you feel better about yourself. At some point, the tables do turn and they reverse on you and you, don't, you can't win like you used to win. So enjoy it while you can, take advantage of it while you can, and let them lose sometimes, okay? But we lose at things. You can't explain how a 40-pound kid can, pound a, can pin a 200-pound man to the ground. You can't explain those things. You give. You make sacrifices. You make sure your family is provided for. You're in a place of worship today, being an example to your kids. You're breaking destructive cycles. You're breaking chains. You're ending curses on your family. So kudos to you because you're making changes that will affect generations to come because you choose to be different. Everything we do, everything we say, everywhere we go is a choice. And you're choosing to become the man that God has created you to be and who he's called you to be. You're not perfect, but you're making an effort to be different, to be more like your father in heaven. Maybe you didn't have the best example as a dad. Maybe you, don't, you, maybe you never knew your dad. I don't know. But we have a heavenly father that loves us more than anyone on this earth could ever love us. And we're striving to be more like him every day. So today, dads, we bless you. Let's give our dads a hand. I get to be with my dad today, and we don't normally get to do this, but he surprised us on Thursday, said we'll be there on Friday, and they were here on Friday, and they're here with us today, and we're excited. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since I've been with my dad on Father's Day, and I'm excited that he's here and that we get to be together. It's been years, and I'm excited we get to do this. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved, he gave. Dads, because you love, you give 
to your families every single day. Imagine this. How much more does our Heavenly Father love us and want to give us gifts? Matthew 7 says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Unless you're a little sadistic and want to mess with your kid, you don't do that. But you're not really being serious. If your kid asks you for bread, you're not going to give him a stone. Or if he asks you for a fish, you're going to give him a snake? Who likes snakes? Anybody? A couple of y'all weird people like snakes. I think y'all have snakes or something. I don't know. The other day, where Taylor and I are going out, and she said, ooh, dad, ooh, dad, what is that? And I look next to the foundation of her house. It's like a, a five-foot black snake, and it's just crawling along, and his tail's doing this. She's like, it's a rattlesnake. I'm like, no, it's not a rattlesnake. It's a black snake. It's okay. And it, it saw us, and it looked at us for a minute, and it turned around and went back the way it came. And she was looking. Her car was the, at the corner of the house, and she was looking around the corner. Where is it? And I said, it's right there. <laughs> Who can imagine what she said? Who knows my daughter really well? She's like, rude. <laughs> That's just so rude. It was. But if, if, if your kid asks you for a fish, you're not going to give him a snake. If you then, knowing that we're evil, knowing that we're born in sin, we're shaped in iniquity, we're, our hearts are evil. The, the, the Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. Think about that for a minute. We want to give our kids as much as we can give them without ruining them. There are lines, there are limits. We want to give them every, I want them every dream they have to come true. That's what I want for my kids. And if I feel that way about my kids, how much more does God feel that way about me and want to give me good gifts? He loves, he loved, he gave we love, we give. This is a different kind of love. Phil Collins sang a song in the 80s about a groovy kind of love. This is a different kind of love. Different kinds of gifts because Jesus died for us. We give and that makes us different. We're never any more like Jesus Christ than when we give. Think about that. We're never any more like him than when we give because he gave what? He gave everything. He gave everything. We're in the third week of our different series. We talked about the first week how we live differently because we come in contact with Jesus and the changes that he's brought to our life and how it changes how we live. Last week, Pastor Andrew talked about how we love and, and a phrase, love first. Love first above anything else. Love them all, let God sort them out, Right? After that phrase was, was said, a few weeks ago when Jeff and Tasha were here, they sent us both shirts that said, love them all, let God sort them out. <laughs> so that, that stuff sticks. I've had so many people come to me in, or text me or Facebook and say, you got to do better. <laughs> or you can do better. Someone this morning told me, you didn't tell me there was a period at the end of that because I say, now I say, you got to do better, stupid. There's a period at the end of you got to do better or you can do better. The point is we're trying not to call God's creation stupid. We're trying not to call them idiots. We're saying, dude, you can do better. Come on. We can, we can be better than this. <laughs> we're different 
because we live differently. We're different because we love differently, and we're different because we give differently. We all, every one of us in this room, have three things that we can give to God. It's all, three things, our time, our talent, and our treasure. It makes up who we are. It makes up everything we are, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Everything we are is encompassed in those three things. We give our time when we serve other people at church. I saw a video yesterday of what was happening here with, 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 the, with the, the yard work and tree trimming, and that's, that's giving your, your time and your talent at the same time to serve the kingdom of God. And we have some great givers at Life Center. We give our talent when we use our abilities to make a difference in our church, in our community, and we give our treasure when we give our resources to God. We give what and we give where is important to us. Think about that. We give what and we give where they're important to us. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For God so loved the world he gave. We are his what? We're his treasure. And because we're his treasure, that's what he gave to. He gave himself for us because he loves us. We gave him, he gave himself for us because he wanted to redeem us and purchase us back with his blood and with his love and with his grace and with his mercy. He gave himself so we could be redeemed. That's, we are his treasure, and where his treasure is, that's where his heart is. In Matthew chapter 25, the story of the parable of the talents, I'm not going to read it because it's lengthy, but I'll give you a, 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 a cliff note version. Three people were given a specific amount of money from, from their master. The NIV says, the King James says they were given talents. The NIV says they were given bags of gold. One guy was given for... Today, we're going to use the bags of gold. One guy was given five bags of gold. Who'd be feeling pretty good right now? We would be. Five bags of gold. One guy was given two bags of gold. I'd still be feeling pretty good. One guy was given one bag of gold with the expectation of good stewardship and an expected return. Hold on to that. When the master returned, he, he said, okay, I've been gone. What, ha what, what do you have? And the one dude that had five, he's like, Master, I've been, I, I did well with what you gave me. I, I've doubled it. I now have ten bags of gold. And he's like, you've done great. Enjoy this. If you read the scripture, he didn't take it back from him. He let him keep it. And he went to the guy that had the two bags of gold and said, what have you done? And he said, I've, I've, I did well. Here's your return. He said, very well. Keep it. Enjoy it. And he looked at the dude that he gave one bag of gold, and he said, how did you do? He's like, Master, I knew that you were hard, that, that, you, that you count everything, that, that things have to be a very specific in a very certain way. So I was scared to lose what you gave me, so I went out and I buried it in the field. But here it is. You can have it back. And the master said, this, this doesn't work. This is, not, this is not why I gave you what I gave you. This, you, you. You haven't been a good steward with what I gave you, so let me have your one. And he took it from him. And you might say, that's not fair. But the master gave him something with an expectation that he was going to get something back from it. And when he took it, he didn't just take it and keep it. He gave it to the dude that had the ten. Here's a phrase you've heard recently, the rich get richer. And that's what happened in the story. Because one dude didn't handle what God had given him properly. He took it from him and gave it to the guy who already had some. 
and had been a good steward with what he had been given. So I believe this. God gives talents to us. And yes, we're talking about giving today because we're different. Because God gave himself for us, we're never more like him than when we give. Because it's outside of ourselves. It's outside of our comfort zone. It's unnatural. You can have a spiritual gift of giving, but it's unnatural for a human to want to give. It just is. I believe giving is God-inspired. And if God isn't inspiring you, you won't want to, to give. And you may be here today and you may be irritated that we're talking about giving on Father's Day, but for God so loved the world, he gave. It defined him. It defined him. I believe God gives us talents. They're businesses, they're jobs, and they produce income. Your talent may be 500 bucks a week. Your talent may be $5,000 a week. I don't know. I don't know, but the Bible says that God gave them talents according to their gifts and their abilities. So maybe you have a $500 a week talent. Maybe God's trying to grow you to 1000 or 1500 We can only be given what we can handle. Does that make sense? I'll come back to that in a minute too. It's what God has trusted you with. He said, take this and use it, and it's our job. Everybody say, my job. It's our job to steward that talent. He returns to see what we've done with our talent. The first thing he expects to see is what? A tenth. I know I lost some of y'all right there, but you got to be polite and sit there for a minute. So the first thing he expects to see is a tenth. It's his. He's just trusting you to pass it along back to him. Think of it as a test. Then he sees our stewardship of the 90%. I'll, I'm not going to tell you anything today that's not scripture. I promise. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything, that's a tenth, from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. We don't have any farmers here today. Well, I'm sorry, we do. My dad and Sharon are here. They have farm. Any regulars, we don't have a farmer here today. We don't get fruit from the ground. We don't, we don't get stuff from the soil. We get stuff from our businesses and from our job. A tenth of what you produce, a tenth of what comes to you is holy to the Lord, and it belongs to him. I know it just got really pin drop quiet. So if I'm different because I give, I have to understand a principle that the first tenth of my money is God's. It is not mine. Walk with me here. <laughs> you can throw tomatoes in a minute. After I get my family pictures, then you can throw tomatoes. <laughs> you haven't given anything to God that is 10% of less than what you have. getting quieter. Giving begins at 11%. You can't give someone something that is theirs. You can bring it. Remember last year I talked about bringing your tithes, not giving them? We can't give someone something that is already theirs. If I, let's break it down like this, if I let you borrow my truck to haul something, 
and I give you my truck, I give you my ratchet straps, I give you some bubble wrap, I give you some boxes, and I say, go move your stuff. And man, you go move your stuff, you pack it in the boxes, you tape it up, you, you put it in the truck, and you ratchet strap it down so it won't blow away, and you go move your stuff. And after a while, you come back to me and say, man, Scott, I love you. Thank you for letting me borrow your truck. It really helped me out. You cared about me. You let me borrow that thing. And because I am so grateful, and I am going to cheerfully give you this truck. I already bought and paid for that truck. <laughs> you chuckle, right? You see, you see the parallel. You see where this is going? You, can't, you can give it back to me, but the title says Rodney Scott Richardson. It doesn't say Andrew Garrison, Andrew Mark Garrison. It's got my, yeah, Mark Andrew, whatever. It's got my name on the title. It belongs to me. It's legally mine. You can't give me that truck. That's the same thing with, the, with our tithing. We, can't, we, can, we can have victorious feelings, and we can feel excited because we're getting a concept, and we're getting a biblical principle that we participate in, but we can't say, God, I'm giving you my tithes. Because it's not, it's already his. It's legally his. It's holy unto him. It's got his name on it. You can't give him something that's already his. Now listen to this scenario. If, if I give you all that stuff and I, I let you use it and you come back and, and you, you give my truck, my ratchet straps back and you say, you know what? Here's some boxes. Let, let, the, let the next person use these boxes or let the, let the next person use that bubble wrap. That's an offering. The truck is mine. But the other stuff I gave you to use, I was writing that off. That was for you to use and keep. Throw away, burn, start your charcoal on your grill with it. I don't care. Just use it. But you brought that back to me. That's what an offering is. That's what biblical stewardship is because you, you gave tithe and you gave offering. We, we, bring what, we, we bring what's God's already back to him, and then we bring something with it. That's tithe and offering. But what if you bring me back my truck? Dude, thank you for the boxes. It's awesome. I'm cheerfully giving you this back. But you know what? I need that stereo. I took the back seat out because I needed that too. I'm, I got that by my grill so I can sit there and watch my food cook. And you know what? Those nice tires you had on there, I swapped those out for donuts because I needed those tires too. And I get back a hoopty where I gave you a truck. That's what happens when you... Make $100,000 and tithe on 50. Or how about, man, thank you for letting me borrow your truck. I, I love it so much, I'm just going to keep it. Because I need it more than you do. That's what, that's what you are when you don't tithe. You're keeping the truck. Imagine that in our relationships. Some of y'all have friends like that. And you got, you got names popping in your head like, I don't give them anything now because they, won't, they don't return my stuff. Or when they do, it's broken. <laughs> Y'all know people like this. But some of us do God like this on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis. We, we do this because we keep what is his or we only give him back part of it. 
when we understand that 10% of what we earn is God's and offering means anything else above that, I believe our lives will radically change. I believe that when we don't apply these principles to our life, and this, you, you may be sitting there and be mad at me right now. I'm sorry. I'm telling you what the Word of God says, and I'm telling you that you have some stoppers in your life because you refuse to even look and listen to this. You're going to see in a, in a minute that God can't bless you unless you do this. And if, if, if you're not practicing this and you have an okay life, it's because you're working your butt off. Everything you have is because of you. Everything you are and, and everything you have in your checking account, in your house, in your car, it's because you work for it, you plan for it, you save for it, and it doesn't have God's blessing on it. I know that's harsh, but I'm about to give you a scripture that's going to tell you exactly that thing right there. God gives us promises and consequence wrapped around these principles. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 starts, Will a mere mortal man rob God? If you don't give me my truck back, you're stealing from me. If you gave my truck back with no seat and no stereo, guess what you did? You stole from me. Will a mere mortal man rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how God? How can we rob God? And he says, in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse. Your whole, the whole nation, he's talking to Israel, because you ro you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there won't be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. King James says, I'll rebuke the devourer from your crops, and the vines in your field won't drop their fruit before it's ripe. Then all the nations, here, here's, here's the thing, here's the result. You may, not re, you may not relate to crops and vines and all that stuff in the Bible, but here's the deal. Verse 12, all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You may not have everything that you want. You may not have everything that, that, the, that society says that you should have to be doing well, but you give because you're different. You follow the principles of God because you're different, and you will be blessed, and people will recognize that the hand of God and the blessing of God and the favor of God are on your life. And the opposite of that we, was, was in the first part of that scripture that we're under a curse. Nobody wants that. So we clearly have a choice here. We choose the overwhelming blessings that God has promised, or we choose the curse that comes from keeping what isn't ours. A note to consider. This is the only place in Scripture where God actually says, test me. And the, the exact verbiage is, see if I won't. See if I won't. It's not in the, in the context that we're used to saying, you know, you say that one more time and see if I won't. Right? You, you do that one more time and see if I don't do something to you or see if I don't. It's not like that. He's saying, test me and see if I won't give you more than you can contain. And I'm not, I'm not telling you. I don't want to mislead you. I said this in Growth Track last week. I don't want you to think that if you come up here and put 100 bucks in this bowl that you're going to walk home and have 1,000 in your mailbox. It doesn't work that way. There are blessings that will come your way. And, and understand, he didn't say, I'll give you more money than you can store. He said, see if I won't bless you more than you can contain. Blessings come in many varieties, in many shapes, in many forms. 
Think about what it means to you to have a blessed life beyond finances. And those are the kinds of things that you can expect in your life. Will you have financial blessings? Yes, you will. Because understand that you have to have to give. God can't ask you to give anything you don't have. So you have to have to give, but this principle has to be in place in our life. So why? Why did God say, test me? Why is this the only place? He could have said it about anything. But understand, Jesus talked more about money than he did anything else when he, in his whole ministry. More about money than anything else. Why? Because he understood the close relationship we have with our bank accounts. Don't touch my money. It is mine. You can't say anything about my money. I work for it. It's mine. And he understood how much we want to keep everything that we get for whose use, for our use. And he wants to show us just what he'll do when we're obedient stewards with what he's given us, what he's trusted us with. Giving isn't a task. It isn't something... My, if my paycheck is $551.32, it isn't me saying, okay, $551.32, $55.13. That's my tithe. It's not a task. It's not a box to check. It's not something to say, okay, I've got to get to the exact penny here to be okay. It's not a task. It's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Tristan last week decided to sell his car. And out of the blue, He's like, I just feel like it's time to sell it. I, I got to let it go. And he, we bought the car when he was 15, and he worked on it, and it was, a, it was a heap when he bought it, and it was nice when he let it go. And he put it, he advertised it on Facebook. He advertised it on Craigslist, and he priced it at this number. And I'm like, I told Tawan, I'm like, he ain't getting that much money for his car. It ain't going to happen. The most he'll get, and I threw a price out there, $1,600 less than what he put it on there for. I said, this is the most he's going to get. How many days? Two days. Two days. He was offered what he asked for it and the inspection fee on top of that. I'm like. Okay. So we get the car inspected. We take it. We deliver it to guys over the moon excited. He loves the car. He's going to put it in photo shoots and do this and do that and all this kind of stuff. And, and <clears throat> pardon me, we're driving away and I'm like, that's cool. And He's kind of sad because it's his first car, and we put a lot of work into it. And, and you know, two days later, he, he works in the summer, and he's mowing somebody's grass, and he mowed the grass, and they Venmoed him. You know what that is? Okay, a lot of y'all do, some don't. It's where you can electronically transfer money to somebody for doing something they did for you. So she Venmoed him the money. He's like, oh, cool, it's here. Like two minutes later, I hear him in the backseat. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm tithing. I'm like, that's cool. I said, dude, because when he gets paid, when he, in, the, in the summer when he's working and he gets paid on the 10th, he wakes up, it's there, he ties before he goes to work. That's just what he does. And I, I, I said, Tristan, this, this principle, what you're doing is probably why you sold your car, A, as fast as you did, and B, you got for it what you asked for. It. I said, recognize the blessings of God in your life recognize why don't don't just say oh that's cool take a minute step back and y'all my kids are not perfect 
But he's got a principle in place in his life where he says, this is a non-negotiable for me. I see it. I understand it. And I have to do this because it's not mine. He gets it out of his hands as quickly as he can because he understands it's not his. Take a step back. Understand the blessings in your life and why you have them. Understand the favor of God in your life and why you have it. Or maybe take a step back and see why you don't. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to, to beat you up. I'm not trying to tell you what to do or how much to do. I'm telling you to be a biblical, principled steward of what God has given you. So there's a passage in Scripture. I'm going to read it in a minute that says, God loves a cheerful giver. Like, like some other principles of Christianity and some things Jesus said, this almost seems paradoxical. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense. Like, how can you be happy to give away something? Not something that's, that you hate. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm happy to unload that one. It's not like that at all. God loves a cheerful giver. On the surface, it doesn't make sense. But let's, let's read it in context. 2 Corinthians says, Remember this, whoever sows, that's gives, sparingly will also receive or reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap or receive generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart. Where your treasure is, you see where it's going? Is where your heart is. Give what is in your heart, not reluctantly, not like, I'm not sure if I should do this, or under compulsion, not because I'm telling you to. Those are the wrong reasons to do these things. We do these things out of gratitude for what God has done in our life and who he is to us, not because somebody tells you or makes you. For God loves a cheerful giver. He knows you can't be cheerful if you're doing it because you feel guilty. He knows you can't be cheerful if you do it because somebody's telling you to. That's not the point. Do it out of the condition of your heart. It's a condition of your heart when you give. Give what you decided where, not in your brain, in your heart. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Giving isn't a task. Giving is the evidence of the condition of your heart. When, when there are dads, when, when there are, now some of y'all are mean, understand where I'm going with this. <laughs> some, of y'all, some of y'all walk that edge of provoking your kids to wrath like scripture tells you not to do. But if there are, if, if you're eating dinner and there's one piece of whatever the best thing in the meal is and your, your kid wants it, you're not going to reach in front and grab it. When we were little, and, and there was a candy bar or something that I wanted and I wasn't ready to eat yet and my, I knew my sister would want it, I'd lick the whole thing. <laughs> that was quite the deterrent for her not to eat it. I'm not sure now she'd care, but I wouldn't care. Are you kidding? But I wanted that for myself. As a dad, because of the condition of our heart, because we love that child, we love our wife, we love our family, we will say, I'm not going to eat this, you have it. You may want it. If there's not a lot of food, you may be hungry, but you're going to make sure those kids eat first. Right? I'm getting some head nods. I'm bringing you back now. You're not hating me so much anymore. You do that because of the condition of your heart. We don't tithe or we don't give above our tithing because someone is beating us over the head saying, you have to give this much money. I give because it's a condition of my heart because of the one who gave everything for me. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
He died to redeem me. Therefore, it is my privilege. It's not my duty. It's not my task. It is my privilege to do, first and foremost, to give him back what is his and not steal from him. But secondly, to say, this is what is mine, and I want to give you part of it too. We're blessed because he gave, and we give because we love. We're different when we're in Christ. We're new. If you don't understand this, you will. We live differently. We love differently, and we give differently. It doesn't always make sense. We give because we're new. We give because we're grateful. We give because we are different. In, in Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus was, was a tax collector, and he was wealthy, and he, he was little. He was a little dude. He was vertically challenged, and he wanted to see Jesus. Jesus was coming along, and he wanted to see Jesus. And he climbed up in a tree so he could see what was going on. And, of course, Jesus knew. And he's walking along and said, dude, what are you doing up there? I, I'm trying to see you. Well, let's go to your house and eat. So he came down to the tree. They went to his house and they ate, him and Jesus. And, and he, his life was changed. He came in contact with Jesus and he was changed. And he was a very wealthy man. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to give half of what I own. For some of us, that wouldn't be a lot, but it's still half of what you own. For others, it'd be a lot, but it's still half of what you own. He was giving from a place of gratitude. I'm not telling anyone in this room to give half of what you own. Do not twist this. I'm telling you he was compelled, he was moved to give because something happened in his heart and he gave half of what he owned. He was changed. He had come into contact with Jesus and he was different. In Exodus chapter 36, Moses, God had told Moses, build a sanctuary. And Moses said, all right, God will build a sanctuary. And, and he asked the Israelites for offerings to build a sanctuary. And they were so moved to give for this cause that they brought, the Bible says they brought offerings daily. And when, 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 this wasn't their tithe, when they brought offerings in those days, it was gold bracelets, it was earrings, it was, it was goblets, it was that kind of stuff, they would melt down, and they, they brought offerings daily. Ultimately, more than enough money came in to finish this project, and in verse 6 of chapter 36, Moses sent a message out, he's like, stop giving. I, I, I will tell you, it would bless my soul as a pastor, <laughs> it would bless me. I don't know that I've ever been that blessed before. It would bless me to be able to send out an email, stop giving. We've got enough. <laughs> Just stop. Keep it. Go to Longhorn. Stop bringing money. Stop. What a spirit of giving that swept through that camp. Because they were grateful of what was going on. They wanted to help provide for that cause. Imagine me being able to send that message out to stop. No more. Instead of sending out update emails. Who's gotten some of those? Instead of sending out update emails, we send out the stop message. Stop. This, this is different. I believe we should be different. And thirdly, it's not just about huge gifts. In Matthew 12, Jesus was watching people. He was sitting, watching people as they brought their gifts. As they, as they brought their money, he was just sitting there watching. And a woman put in two mites, just a few cents, just two pennies. 
Think about it. I, I, like, like there's some cash and some paper money and some envelopes in there. And if somebody dropped, come in and dropped in two pennies, Jesus sitting there watching those two pennies drop in. That's what was going on. This lady put that in. And Jesus went on to say in, in, in Matthew 12 that she had given more than anybody else that put anything in that, in that offering basket. And that doesn't make sense, does it? Just two pennies. And there were probably some C-notes. There was probably an envelope with four or five C-notes in there. Maybe somebody gave $1,000. I don't know. But that, that two pennies, those, those few cents were more than, than anything that anybody else had given that day because she had given sacrificially. What she gave didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. She didn't give out, she didn't give out of comfort. Who could relate? Because... Sometimes you give because it's extra. You give because it's easy. You give because it's comfortable. She gave because she felt like she wanted to and she needed to give. I'm not telling you to empty your checking account. This is not what that's about. This is saying don't feel like your 10 bucks is insignificant. If that's all you can do, God sees that. Don't let your dollar that you put in feel insignificant. But if you got 500 in your pocket, you put in a dollar, you might want to talk to Jesus a little bit. It's not about how much. It's about what you're doing and the condition of your heart. I believe if your heart is where it's supposed to be, I believe God will speak to you and you'll have that relationship with him. That if he asks you to give the 500 in your pocket, that you'll do it. It's one thing I've seen my dad do through, I'm 47 years old now. I had to think for a minute. Is give and give cars, equipment, tools. If he didn't give so much, he'd be wealthy. But he always had to give because he always gave. Last week, somebody designated $50 for our new air conditioner. No, it's not paid for yet. If God speaks to you, do it. But somebody, some, I think eight people have contributed to that, to that project. And some of the gifts have been big. But somebody designated 50 bucks for that thing. I know who it was, and God knows who it was. And I'm not trying to diminish anything that anybody gave, but I know that 50 bucks hurt. And, and that 50 bucks is like those two pennies. Somebody gave from a place that said, I have to do something because this has to happen. And I'm not doing it for recognition. I'm not doing it out of any other cause except I feel like God told me to. And I believe that God will bless that person that did that. And there are extremes. Understand there are extremes. But this is, is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 12. Is it the dollar amount? No. But it's our spirit. It's the effort. It's the intent. The bottom line is this. You can volunteer your time. You can use your talent, and you should because they're needed. We're about to do VBS next month, and they're needed. We need time. We need artsy people. We need set builders, all kinds of stuff. You'll be getting messages, and we'll, we'll need your time and your talent. We can't accomplish what we're called to do without those things. But there's something about the dollar because even God said, test me. Because you're going to have to because it's not easy. Test me and see if I won't do this. The dollars are so close to the heart. I always thought, you know, we carry our wallets back here, guys, on our rear end. I always thought we should have them here. <laughs> it gets the closer to where they are. 
It would make more sense, right? It's so close to our heart. I found this to be true. Somebody was transitioning from church to church a, a while back, and, and I, I was in conversation with the pastor. And I'm like, I've learned one thing a long time ago that, you know, with most people, there are exceptions, that if somebody wants to leave, you help them pack a bag. And that's what I did. And he said, well, he asked this question. Well, how faithful are they monetarily? And I'm like, well, I'll check. And I went and checked. Well, I said, well, it's been five years since they tithe. There you go. Have fun. <laughs> so if God has your money, he has you. If he doesn't have your money, guess what he doesn't have? You. You may feel that it's harsh. You may feel that it's whatever, but that's the bottom line. I was speaking to a friend of mine recently who works for a national company that they fundraise. Talking about various programs, he said this. If God's people would follow God's plan for stewardship, there would never be a need for a fundraiser. There would always be finances for what was needed because God's plan is perfect. His plan is perfect. God has given you talents. How are you stewarding those talents? When he looks at what you're doing with what he's given, how are you managing those things? Are you different? Has your mindset changed? Or has, has that part of your life not been transformed yet? Maybe this, maybe this piece right here, maybe what we're talking about today is your next step. Maybe it's the next thing in your journey that's going to change your life. Consider this. Read this from... Uh, from um, A Billy Graham commentary. Everything we have is given to us by God. Everything we have was given to us by God. Everything. Do we see ourselves as stewards? Or do we see ourselves as owners? That answer makes all the difference. If you see yourself as a steward, the steward lives for the day. The steward lives for the day. When he will return the master's goods to him cheerfully. An owner believes his possessions are his to do with whatever he sees fit. A steward is different. A steward is different. How would you describe your mindset today? Which are you, a steward or an owner? We give because we're different. We give because we've encountered Jesus and we will never, ever, ever be the same. We give because we've been transformed by his love and by his grace. Our mind has been made new and we will never think like we used to think. And the things that used to be important to us are, are not as important anymore. We're different. And if you're not different, if you haven't been transformed by, by his power and his strength and his grace, you just don't get it. And I pray you at some point you will get it. If, if this is troublesome, worrisome, offensive to you, I'm sorry, but you just don't get it. But you need to. You need to. Don't twist this and say, Pastor Scott on Father's Day, man, he, he ruined it talking about money. For God so loved the Lord, he gave. He gave. As dads, we give every single day. You get up in the morning, you go to work, you give your time. You come home, you fix boo-boos, you build things, you clean things, you do things. You're giving. The favorite thing you want at dinner and the kid wants it, you let them have it. You give it. That's what God does for us. 
We do our part. He's the God of exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's what happened when that car sold. That was exceeding abundantly above what I thought it would sell for. Didn't make sense to me, but not everything with God makes sense. So, Father's Day. He loved us. He gave. I believe we have some amazing stewards in the room. We have some people that give sacrificially. We have people that go that not only give their tithing, but they give offerings on top of that. That's some that, that don't make sense. And we have some people that have probably never dropped a dollar in. It's, it's all over the gamut. What's your next step? That's what this is about. What's your next step? What is God telling you today? Is he being able to break through your frustration or, or, or something that you weren't hearing, something as sweet as you wanted to hear today? Can he break through that fog, your irritation or your reluctance to participate, your reluctance to let God speak to you about this thing because it's yours, you earned it, and nobody can tell you what to do with it. You're an owner. But if you'll let God do something in your heart, not, not the way, not necessarily just what you feel, but in your heart where he does something for you and you have an encounter with him that changes who you are and makes you a new person, makes you a different person, I promise your thinking will change. And maybe today's message was what you needed to hear to help you understand that it's not trying to take something from you. It's about giving God what's his. God bless y'all. Happy Father's Day. Take a minute, eat a donut, hug somebody's neck. Tell them you love them. Bless y'all. Love you.